It would not be a retro pro wrestling podcast if we didn't discuss and dissect the infamous Montreal Screwjob. I am your host, Dave Rosenbluth, and this week we're bringing you a special Trading Places edition of Kicking Out It 2. We're going to discuss the Montreal Screwjob and everything that led up to it, and then we're going to trade places, and we're going to ponder the thoughts and possibilities of what if Vince McMahon screwed Shawn Michaels instead of Bret Hart. What happens to Bret Hart in the WWF moving forward? Where does Shawn Michaels land? Does Shawn Michaels survive in the shark-infested waters of WCW with his buddies Hall and Nash? How does this affect other people in other areas of both companies, the WWF and WCW? I'll ponder all those thoughts and then some with this special Trading Places edition. Like I said, thank you all so very much for pressing play, hitting the download button, doing what you do when you listen to wrestling podcasts like this one here on on kicking out it too. Originally, last week, I talked about maybe just doing a show about a bunch of random topics that were like Survivor Series related, wrestling related around this time of year in November. This one was one of them, um, and then I thought to myself, I could probably do this this whole topic here in one show, and then I just said to myself, you know what, this would be kind of fun to just dedicate one show to this topic. Now, for you longtime followers and listeners, thank you very much, by the way, um, we kind of danced in this territory. Uh, a couple years ago, Trading Places Survivor Series, I brought up random Survivor Series matches over the years, and I pondered the possibilities of trading places, and the Montreal Screwjob Sean and Bret Hart from Survivor Series 1997 was one of them, but I didn't realistically factor in the the possibilities of Vince screwing Sean, because at that time, I felt like realistically that wouldn't happen, but as I said to myself when I'm going through my formats and and different um, you know show ideas as I'm planning these podcasts out, I thought to myself this would be kind of fun to really like peel back the layers of the onion here uh, with this subject. Um, you know, I, I try to think realistically, but at the same time, you know, the wrestling fan in me, the fantasy booker in me, at times uh, likes to you know ponder the possibilities and some of the left field ideas that you know run through my brain um originally this podcast wasn't going to be about fantasy booking and um it was just going to be about my thoughts as a wrestling fan um and I, at times i've had to like really like walk that fine line and I, i'm gonna i'm gonna step over that line on this episode here and talk about the the some of the creative opportunities that would have taken place in both the WWF and WCW had Vince McMahon screwed Shawn Michaels. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you can find that Survivor Series Trading Places episode in the archives over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Search Retromania with a W. You'll find this show, all kinds of great shows like Cool Truth of the AC, Hulkamania is Dead, Origins of Attitude, Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, uh, and so much more bonus content. Retromania with a W is what you search. You can find us on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and so so many other great podcast platforms available. Um, if you're looking to be a part of the Kicking Out at Two crew, as cliche as that may sound, like always, then head on over to Facebook. Give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle's at Kicking Out Two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. Uh, having a lot of fun over on Twitter, but building the following, keeping, you know, keep building the following, and, uh, Looking forward to uh, interacting with all of you on both Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to archive shows on both GIFs and, and, and pictures, funny pictures, debates. I try to have a positive, fun atmosphere when it comes to pro wrestling. Uh, I, I would love for you all to be a part of it with me. So uh, hit us up on Facebook with a like and give us a follow on Twitter. Uh, we might have an Instagram page coming up. Not sure yet in the stages, thinking about it. My time is very limited these days, like I said um, on a recent episode. Uh, got a new job, so I'm trying to uh, juggle, you know, transitioning into that new job as well as this hobby, this passion of mine that is kicking out it too. All right, um, let's get into it. You know, here's what we're going to do. And I've kind of done this before. I did this on the uh, Sting Hogan Starcade 97 Trading Places episode. I'm going to go through my recollection of the events that had led up to the Montreal Screwjob between Brett and Sean. Stuff that's been publicized, stuff that's been speculated behind the scenes. Um, all of this is not 
completely factual. There's been, you know, speculation and theories and things like that. So I'm just taking things that I've read and things that I've heard and things that I've watched in retrospectives and documentaries. And I'm just going to kind of, you know, lump it all into one and talk about the things that had led up to the actual finish. And then I'm going to trade places with it and really explore. So without further ado, um, this this rivalry between the two of them really started uh, as they led up to the Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12 in 1996. Bret Hart was the WWF champion. Shawn Michaels had won the Royal Rumble. He was making a little bit of a comeback. He had a... a, a, a a slippery slope of uh, towards the end of 1995 with personal issues and uh, the, the, the real life uh, attack from the Marines in Syracuse, New York that's been discussed. You can look that up on Google. And so uh, Shawn Michaels' character was in the, in the midst of a comeback, if you will. And he won the 1996 Royal Rumble. He was poised to face the WWF champion. He ends up you know challenging Bret the Hitman Hart uh, in a 60-minute Ironman match, something that you know had never been done before in the WWF and especially at a Wrestlemania at a big show like that and so Brett and Sean leading up to that match they had filmed vignettes during the uh, during the buildup, uh, showing you know both guys working out and training, preparing for this grueling match, Brett would be in you know the cold um, you know winter months of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, um, jogging on you know really thin sheets of ice and swimming in his pool and exercising in his gym, and then you had Sean who was doing all these crazy you know acrobatic moves, you know practicing in a ring and jogging and running, and he had Jose Lothario, his trainer. His mentor with him and so they really were building up the athletic aspect of the 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 matchup itself and you know the 60 minutes and the conditioning that these two are going to have and i thought it was really well done looking back on it to me the iron man match is not one of my favorite matches i've felt over the years it's been overrated but i had gained a newfound appreciation after having a conversation with a friend of mine actually my good buddy kobe nida for the the architect of the retro mania pro wrestling podcast network where he talked about um, as a, he's a big Bret Hart guy, and he talked about uh, you know just trying to appreciate the story in and of itself, and and the, the 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 twists and turns that took place in that 60 minutes. So I sat back and I watched it. You know, put my phone down, didn't you know wasn't paying attention to anything else but this match, and I, I gained a newfound appreciation for it. I can see why people like it. Uh, doesn't mean I still think there's parts of it it's overrated, but uh, for the most part, I enjoyed the match. So as we know. Um, the match took place and it went into overtime, sudden death, and Shawn Michaels ended up winning with a super kick and uh, became the WWF champion. And the boyhood dream was realized. And then, following that match, uh, Bret Hart had uh, had left the WWF and they had kind of filmed his exit. And he was pretty upset and pissed off. And it sounds like that they were they were foreshadowing. Um, what was to come for his eventual return and him wanting to get revenge for losing to Shawn Michaels. And I remember in the Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, greatest rivalries, uh, compilation that, um, came out on DVD a number of years ago that Bret had told Owen, play it up for the boys. Like I got heat with Shawn because I want to come back and I want, you know, to, to renew this rivalry with Sean and make it better than ever and build off of the, the finish for the Iron Man match. And so they were trying to work the boys, apparently, is from what Brett was saying. And over time, um, the, the, the boys would think in their minds that Brett and Sean had heat with each other from this match. So the, they really... In a way, what got them to Montreal later on in 1997, in November of 97, these two kind of started this, and they worked themselves into a shoot, as they would like to say. So, uh, Brett was gone for a while. He'd make sporadic appearances uh, on international tours that he was advertised for, but for the most part, he was not under contract with the WWF at the time, to the best of my recollection. And so he would make dates in Kuwait and South Africa where he was a big name overseas and internationally. 
and Sean was defending the title domestically and all over the world in the United States and having his run with Diesel and British Bulldog, uh, Mankind, Vader. Um, he would work a lot of house shows with Goldust in, in, in like a ladder match uh, setting. Steve Austin, when Steve Austin won King of the Ring. So they were they were throwing everything at Shawn Michaels uh, throughout that time. He would tag with um, Ahmed Johnson. They would work the smoking guns and tag team matches and things like that. So Shawn was... Uh, Sean was getting getting a lot of work in at that time as the WWF champion. So as this run is going on, um, his his reputation in the locker room had grown to be very negative, uh, it, to put it in in better terms, um, and that really accentuated more and more with the Madison Square Garden curtain call, the click curtain call as, as it's been uh, discussed. Shawn Michaels wrestled a match with Diesel in May of 1996, and it was inside of a steel cage in Madison Square Garden. It was a live event, non-televised. And at the end of the match, after Sean won, Razor Ramon came out, and so did Triple H, and they all broke kayfabe and you know posed in the middle of the ring. And you know it's been talked about they, those guys wanted to say goodbye because Hall and Nash were leaving to go to WCW, and the Madison Square Garden crowd popped pretty big for it. And allegedly, Sean and Hunter had permission from Vince to go, go do the whole thing. But then when veterans in the locker room and officials went to Vince and said they're shitting on the business, they broke kayfabe, etc., etc. Vince had to punish someone, so you couldn't punish Sean because he was the champ. Brett wasn't there. Hall and Nash had left to go to WCW, so who do you punish? You punish Triple H because he was the new guy. He was the low man on the totem pole. He ate all the shit, if you will. Plates and plates and plates full of shit. It's been discussed at length to death. If you want to watch anything on the WWE Network about it, they have the click uh, retrospective on the WWE Network. You can find that there. They talk about the curtain call, etc., etc. It's been talked about on a number of different um episodes of uh you know different documentaries the monday night wars retrospective on the network you can talk about it they, they, i'm sorry they talk about it there as i'm uh, uh stumbling over my words so anyhow sean's reputation as being someone difficult to deal with had grown further and further with the click before the curtain call and then eventually it got bigger and bigger after the curtain call even though he was the champ uh but the 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 biggest um issue to the best of my recollection that he had had with people in the locker room was the issue he had with Vader at the 1996 SummerSlam event. He had wrestled in the main event with Vader for the title and there was a spot that was blown. Vader was supposed to move a Shawn Michaels elbow. He didn't. Shawn jumped in mid, you know, in, you know, going for the elbow, but in midair stopped himself, feet landed on the ground and he told him to move you asshole. And he stomped on his face and, um, Sean got a little aggressive with Vader. And according to the rumor, um, even though Bruce Pritchard has denied it on his podcast, Sean Michaels was one of the reasons why Shawn Michaels displeasure of Vader in that moment was one of the reasons why Vader's push got derailed. Other people have said that that also was because of Vader's injuries and um, not being reliable uh, when it comes to staying healthy. So, but that's another debate for another day. And so Michael's reputation had become, you know, very, he became very unpopular in the locker room as time went on as the champion. And even he'll say himself that he was very difficult to deal with uh, pressures of being the champion. Now think about this here during that time period, it was, you know, late summer of 1996. The NWO was just just taking off. Sean was the champion on the other show. Anything that the NWO did, everyone's eyeballs were glued to that television set to watch Nitro. And so Sean being the champion, he was the face of the company at the time. He was the one that, you know, was at fault for, you know, not being able to um, get people to watch WWF programming. He was he was the he was the fall guy and like most champions are. You're 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 given the the um the blame if you know business is down, but you're also given the nod if business is successful and you're putting ass in the seats. So Sean was definitely at the forefront of that. Um, and then 
as this is going on, you know, we see interviews with Bret Hart. He's 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 appearing on programming in, in, in subtle ways, you know, a little video shot here and there. They're building up something to him and Steve Austin. And during the the same rivalries DVD with him and Sean, he talks about how in some of those interviews he would take little subtle shots at Sean, reminding the audience as well as Sean that you know he's coming back to be the World Wrestling Federation champion. He was robbed of the title at WrestleMania. Little little shots here and there. They're kind of blurring the lines, if you will. Sean would just kind of in interviews he was dealing with other stuff with like mankind and eventually sid and so sean wouldn't really address it too much but it really kicked into high gear after brett had returned at the 1996 survivor series to face steve austin because the winner of that match would face the wwf champion at the next pay-per-view wwf in your house it's time december of 1996 the main event of that show would be sid as the WWF champion, the newly crowned WWF champion, who defeated Shawn Michaels at the Survivor Series the prior month, taking on the new number one contender, Bret the Hitman Hart. Going into that match, it became more and more apparent that they were leading to Bret and Shawn. With the comments that Bret would make, Shawn had announced he was going to be at ringside to commentate the match to determine you know, who he was going to face at the Royal Rumble because it was already announced after Survivor Series that Shawn was facing the winner of the In Your House Championship match in January at the 1997 Royal Rumble in his hometown at the Alamo Dome of San Antonio, Texas. So... They were really building up towards Sean and Brett and the big showdown that was was to take place, the rematch from WrestleMania. And there's, like I said, little subtle shots, and now Sean's kind of participating in it here and there. Um, I remember watching the In Your House pay-per-view recently, actually, with Sid and Bret Hart. I was watching some of the old In Your Houses to get ready for that NXT In Your House special that took place over the summer. And... Brett and Sean were just kind of letting loose on each other. Brett had, you know, in subtle ways talked about Sean not being a positive role model for the company. And Brett came back and, you know, the, the it's not the same WWF when he left it. And he blamed Sean Michaels for that. And they, I, 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 going back and watching it, you know, some 24 years later, I was impressed. I didn't appreciate it back then. But I appreciated it more now, the, the, the heat that these two were able to bring on the microphone to their matchup. And it makes me so mad that they didn't really have that big WrestleMania rematch, you know what I mean, where Brett can pass the torch to Sean or Sean can, you know, return the favor and have Brett win and, you know, get his rematch back. And maybe they settle it in a third match, in a rubber match, if you will. I was really looking forward to, to that. And we didn't get that in 1996, or I should say in 1997. Um, the Rumble match in 97 would see Brett as one of the final few left in the match. Uh, throws out Steve Austin, but the referees are distracted with Mankind and Terry Funk on the other side. Austin sneaks back in the ring. He dumps out Vader and Undertaker. Brett dumps out Diesel, not Kevin Nash, the fake Diesel, as we all know. That'll be another discussion for another day. And then Brett dumped out Austin as, or Austin dumped out Brett, excuse me, as the referees saw that, which led to the big... I guess you could say this was the San Antonio screw job, if you will. Uh, Austin was declared the winner of the 1997 Royal Rumble. Brett was not happy about it, and they were, you know, well on their way to. Um, they were well on their way to, you know, establishing Brett with a little bit more of an edge because of this. Now. According to the, the, the urban legends, the rumor and innuendo, the speculation, if you will, originally, Bret Hart was slated to win this Royal Rumble, and they were going to go Bret challenging Sean for the WWF title at WrestleMania 13. Um, but on an episode of WWF Livewire, Vince Russo was on that show, and Vince Russo practically predicted that Bret Hart was going to win the WWF Royal Rumble match that year in 1997. And... Officials in the company didn't like how that came across. Um, it was almost Russo kind of proclaiming it to be a fact, and he did it in a way that kind of led fans to believe that, you know, Brett was going to win instead of, you know, them being surprised that he won the match. So according to the urban legend, Austin won the Royal Rumble match because they had to change the finish because of what took place on that Livewire episode. Um, 
And then after that, Gorilla Monsoon had was Gorilla Monsoon at the time was the acting WWF president on television, and he declared that Austin, Brett, uh, Vader, and Undertaker, the last four men in the Royal Rumble match, would compete in a final four match to determine the rightful number one contender to the WWF Championship, and the winner would go on to WrestleMania. Now, the rules of the final four match were simple. You can either get pinned, you can either be made to submit, or you can be thrown over the top rope um, with both feet landing on the floor. The last man standing, the last man you know to remain, will become the number one contender and will face Shawn Michaels for the WWF Championship. At that same final four pay-per-view, it was originally scheduled to be Shawn and Sid in a rematch for the WWF Championship with Shawn allegedly, supposedly, set to retain that title and move on to WrestleMania. And of course, this has been talked about a hundred times, but I'll just kind of bring it up and give you my spin on it here. Um, Shawn Michaels was rumored to be dropping the title to Brett at WrestleMania, and the urban legend says that Shawn Michaels faked the knee injury, and the I lost my smile promo led to Shawn Michaels dropping the WWF Championship Um and that would result in the final four match now being for the vacant WWF championship. So, yeah, I mean, the everything's, you know, speculative, of course, when it comes to stuff you read on the internet and the dirt sheets and things like that. Uh, a lot of people in the industry that worked at the WWF and was in the locker room at that time felt based on the issues that Shawn Michaels was having, especially with Bret Hart and the, you know, Bret Hart's take on it. Everybody feels that Shawn Michaels faked that knee injury, resulting in him not having to drop the title to Bret clean at WrestleMania 13. The original plan was set to be Bret and Shawn. Now, Shawn Michaels has claimed that he had a legitimate knee injury, and he was told that he would never be able to wrestle again. And miraculously... He went to one doctor, one doctor told him one thing, another doctor told him another thing, he got his knee cleaned up, and in no time he was back, uh, I would say probably in you know the spring of 97, I would say probably like May, I would think he came back, May, May of 97, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was when he won the tag titles with Steve Austin against the Hart Foundation, so... Um, Sean didn't wrestle at that WrestleMania, but he was moving around like he wasn't injured and he didn't have any knee problems. So that even led to more speculation that he was faking it. And they kind of had a they kind of had alluded to that on on television, um, especially at that WrestleMania when Brett and uh, or well let me let me backtrack a little bit. Okay, so the final four match was for the vacant title. Bret Hart won the WWF Championship because Sid was scheduled to face Shawn at that pay-per-view. Sid was next in line for a title match. And so Bret wrestled Sid the next night on Raw and lost the WWF Championship with a little bit of help from Steve Austin. That ignited their rivalry to get them to WrestleMania, and Sid would go in as the champion to face the number one contender, The Undertaker, who was named number one contender by President Gorilla Monsoon. So now we're at WrestleMania 13. Bret and Steve Austin, submission match, an all-time classic. Go out of your way to watch that, okay? For those of you that have never seen it before, it's an all-time classic. It's one of the greatest matches in WrestleMania history, in wrestling history in general. The story that was told was unbelievable. That match made Steve Austin a star, okay? It made him larger than life at that point. He, The rocket ship was already on him, and he practically went to the moon by that point after that match. And that match also turned Bret Hart into a bad guy. And that began the Bret Hart, you know... Canada-USA rivalry that would lead to Bret Hart forming the New Hart Foundation with Owen and his brother Owen Hart, Davy Boy Smith, British Bulldog, Jim Neidhart, and Brian Pillman, which are some of the, the, the most intriguing episodes of Monday Night Raw in that sp spring and into the, you know, the summer of that year with the Hart Foundation waving the flag from you know Canada against the United States and wrestlers like Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, and Undertaker, and Ken Shamrock, and etc. You know, the list goes on and on. So, um, there's one particular episode of Monday Night Raw in the spring of that year. I believe this was when Sean was starting to come back. Brett had a knee injury, and he was unable to compete in a scheduled rematch between him and Sean at King of the Ring 1997. It wasn't going to be for the title. It was just going to be them two wrestling each other. They were building it as a big grudge match. Bret Hart had a knee injury, and... 
you know, he was out of action for a little while, still appearing on TV every week, but like in a wheelchair or on crutches. And there was an in-ring segment where him and Shawn Michaels are going back and forth on the microphone with each other. And Shawn Michaels um, super kicked Bret Hart into the wheelchair right before they went off the air. And allegedly, according to the rumor and innuendo, Sean felt like Brett was milking the microphone time because they only had so much time left before they went off the air on Raw. According to Brett, he didn't hear the cue from whoever was directing him in his earpiece at the time. I believe Bruce Pritchard. So... There was some heat between the two of them after the fact. I heard stories that Shawn Michaels was livid backstage after the incident, blaming Brett, and things were just building between the two of them. Like I said in the beginning, they kind of worked themselves into a shoot here, and you, you couldn't really tell if this was part of the story, and they didn't even know like some of the personal shots they were taking at each other, and you know there was the, the lack of communication from what I've from what I've discovered was unbelievable. Sean saying things about Brett and Brett saying things about Sean and, you know, not kind of conversing with each other about it ahead of time, which would lead to the big fight in the locker room at the Hartford Civic Center right before Monday Night Raw in June of 1997. Like I said, originally, Sean and Brett were scheduled to meet at King of the Ring. Um, Brett had an injury. He was out. Pillman was still injured, and he wasn't wrestling as much, um, or he wasn't really wrestling at all. He was scheduled to face Steve Austin, so they, 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 they postponed that match. So then they went with Austin and Sean as the disgruntled tag team champions facing each other, which was, in my opinion, an excellent match. Go out of your way to watch that match, too. King of the 1997 Shawn Michaels Steve Austin even though they had like a double disqualification finish excellent match excellent match probably the best match the two of them have ever had on television better than the Wrestlemania 14 match for sure anyhow um, the next night according to both Shawn and Brett in their book in their respective books they have obviously two different opinions but um, this goes back to the lack of communication they were in the locker room and according to Shawn Brett said something to him like, you know, hey, what's up or what's going on or something like that. And according to Sean, Sean says that, um, you know, he told Brett, oh, you don't talk to me for a month. You take all these shots at me on TV and now you want to ask me what's going on, how I'm doing, etc. And it led to a pull apart between the two of them. Now, in various shoot interviews I've watched, one in particular with Jim Cornette, he was in Vince's office when Shawn Michaels stormed into the office with a chunk of his hair and slammed it on the desk and said, that's it, I can't work under these conditions anymore, I'm fucking out of here. And Cornette allegedly kept the hair and put it in a Ziploc bag, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe Cornette's ex-wife may still be in possession of that Ziploc bag with the hair. So, the fight happens... And like I said, it was a pull apart. They were pulling each other's hair. I don't think anybody really got any good shots in on each other from the best of my recollection. Uh, funny story about that was Jerry Lawler was on the toilet taking a dump. And when he came out, that was when the fight took place. He had to pull his pants up to help break up the fight. But Vince sent Sean home. Sean, actually, Sean walked out. And he was like, I'm done. I'm going to my friends. I'm, I'm, I'm going to WCW. Threatened to walk out. He had just signed a brand new contract, you know, worth like three quarters of a million dollars for like five years or some shit like that. And uh, he sent Brett home too as well. Um and origin I remember specifically on television locally in Connecticut uh, during like I think it was like Monday Night Raw or Superstars or one of those shows where they would advertise a local main event is like the match that would take place after Raw. They wouldn't tell you it was like a dark match, but they would say the main event of Monday Night Raw coming to Hartford, Connecticut, June the 10th or June the 9th, 1997. It was scheduled to be Brett Owen. Davey Boy and the Anvil taking on Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, and Psycho Sid in a in a eight in an eight man tag team match. And I remember as a kid, I wanted to get tickets to it. The story goes, as you've heard this podcast before, mom and dad said maybe, but not this time. Uh, <laughs> so I remember they didn't have the match. After I read, you know, some stuff on the internet, they had a fight. Didn't have the match. It got changed to, I think it was like Owen Anvil and, and uh, 
and uh, I think it was like Owen Anvil and, and Bulldog. Um, I believe Pillman. So maybe it was a four-on-four four against like Austin, Sid, Shamrock, and Mankind, I think it was. I think that's what they turned it into. So Sean and Brett have their issues, and um, Sean gets sent home for a while. Brett eventually comes back. They do the Canadian Stampede five-on-five five match, you know, in Calgary that year. Uh did a watch along of that with Justin and Dennis. You could find that in the archives, Retromania. That was a lot of fun. And then Sean comes back, I would say, early August, or late July, excuse me. And he's announced as the guest referee for the WWF Championship match between Bret Hart and The Undertaker. And the deal was, as a part of that, st the stipulations in that match were... If Bret didn't win the WWF Championship, he could no longer wrestle in the United States. Well, with Shawn Michaels inserted as the referee, he the stipulation regarding him was if he showed favoritism towards The Undertaker or Bret Hart, that he too would no longer be able to wrestle in the United States. So it was a very interesting stipulation, something at the time I didn't appreciate in 1997, uh, you know, uh, as a teenager, but going back looking at it like it was unbelievable it was such a cool different stipulation at that time that you know when i go back and watch that particular SummerSlam match uh, i definitely appreciated it more so the finish goes for that match well before i get to the finish excuse me sean's announces the referee on that same episode of raw vince comes out or vince is in commentary brett comes out and kind of has a pull apart shoving match with vince at ringside and that's where you kind of got to see the little subtle hints of mr mcmahon with brett um you know kind of pushing that button if you will getting physical with vince on tv and Vince didn't really react to it much. He tried to fight back a little bit, but Brett had the Hart Foundation there. And he talked about how Vince was trying to screw him and it was a swerve and you know, making Shawn Michaels the referee. So we get to SummerSlam. Shawn's kind of playing it straight down the middle. And then comes the finish. And by the way, great match. Another match. If I'm just going to be listing off matches that you should watch after this. But Brett and Sean, or Brett and Undertaker with Sean as the referee, SummerSlam 1997. You can find it on WWE Network. You can YouTube it, whatever. Great, great match. Um, Sean's playing it straight the whole time, but at one point um, he gets knocked down and Brett uses a chair on Undertaker. The chair's left lying in the ring. Sean notices the chair. He grabs it. He grabs Brett and he's like, what are you doing? Did you use this? And Brett pretty much was like, fuck you. Spit right in his face. And it was a huge loogie. Sean goes to swing the chair. Duck. He nails Undertaker. The fucking crowd's like, oh my God, what the hell just happened? Sean's like, you can see it on camera. He goes, oh, shit. And then Brett goes for the cover, and Sean has to make the cover, because if he doesn't, he can no longer wrestle in the United States. And therefore, Sean helped Brett become the WWF champion. And that was what would eventually lead to Shawn Michaels' heel turn and his run with Undertaker. Now, after this, Brett would go on to feud with the Patriot, which was really nothing exciting. And you kind of saw, um, you know, Brett and the Hart Foundation getting scaled back a little bit on TV. They're not the center, you know, the, the focal point, the centerpiece of programming. It's more Sean and his association with now Hunter in China. You add Rick Rude in. They got their thing going on with Undertaker. Eventually leads to the big match at Bad Blood, the very first Hell in the Cell. Classic. Another match you should go find on WWE Network. And that match was leading up to survivor series because the winner of that match would then go on to face the wwf champion which was bret hart and like i said bret hart had a less than memorable run from SummerSlam to survivor series as the champion but uh they kind of kick things back into high gear where him and sean are on their on their collision to survivor series for the wwf championship and on the way there i remember a particular episode of monday night raw um where Sean, or no, I'm sorry, Brett and the Hart Foundation were called out by the Nation of Domination because allegedly they trashed their locker room. And there was a Canadian flag left in the locker room as like evidence, so they assumed it was the Hart Foundation. But um, it had appeared that the Hart Foundation wasn't in the building at the time. And I just remember like the Nation calling out the Hearts, and the Hearts weren't, you know, coming out. And then the music plays, and you could see the guys coming out, and like Owen had to put his jacket on, and it appeared like they had just arrived to the building. 
That's what they tried to, you know, make it out to be. And I just remember the pop it got. And I was thinking to myself, they're going to turn the Hart Foundation into good guys against the nation. And Brett's going to be a good guy again. And I was kind of okay with that because even though I liked Brett as a heel, I thought at some point, like, well, he's going to have to, like, have his redemption, so to speak. And so I was warming up to the idea that Brett was going to, you know, be a baby face on television in the United States heading into the big match in Montreal at the Survivor Series against Shawn Michaels for the championship. And there were more shots between these two on the microphone, giving it to each other. And all the while this is going on, allegedly, according to, you know, things that have been discussed in various retrospectives and DVDs and things like that. Brett was on his way out of the WWF. At the time as a kid, I did not know this. I wasn't aware of this. Uh, I wouldn't find out till watching the Wrestling With Shadows uh, documentary that, you know, covered Brett that at the September 22nd, 1997 uh, Madison Square Garden uh, Monday Night Raw episode, behind the scenes, Vince went to Brett and said, I can't pay you anymore. You know, the company's dealing with some financial issues. Um, I'll, I'll try to help you get your deal back with WCW because allegedly Brett was in negotiations with WCW in 1996 to get, you know, to, before he returned to the WWF. And so... Then there's the big controversy heading into Survivor Series behind the scenes. Brett doesn't want to drop the belt to Sean because Sean said he wouldn't do the favor for him again. Sean said he wouldn't do a job for him. Uh, so Brett doesn't want to drop it in Montreal. He feels like it would hurt his character. Um, they, there's a there's a big you know hoo ha back and forth and according to the urban legend that was when you know Vince and I think it was Briscoe and Patterson and a couple other people said well how are we gonna get the belt off him and that was when Triple H kind of stood up and said fuck him you know if he doesn't want to do business we'll do business for him and then that's when they came up with the screw job idea Briscoe was the one that Gerald Briscoe one of Vince McMahon's right hand men was the one that had said. Um, you know, uh, why don't you put him in the sharpshooter? He won't, you know, he, 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 it will be a situation where he won't be able to fight back. And they were, you know, trying to figure out how to do this with, you know, Sean being safe. They're in Montreal. Those Canadian fans fucking hated him. So, uh, very few people knew about the Montreal screw job and, uh, how it went down. And, uh, I just remember as a teenager, I didn't watch the pay-per-view live, but I remember trying to keep track of the results on the internet. And there was reports that, you know, Sean and Brett were very physical. I remember reading, you know, Sean and Brett very physical early on before the match really began. And it was it was like a good, like, pull-apart street fight, if you will. They went in the crowd. They went in the aisleway. They were by the entranceway. They, they, they were really beating the crap out of each other. And still, at that time, I didn't realize that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were going to be wrestling for the last time in the WWF because Brett was leaving to go to WCW. I had no clue. So... I read the results online and it says that Vince McMahon rang the bell and behind the scenes, Shawn Michaels had no idea. And then eventually Brett clocked Vince and in the locker room. And that was how Brett left the WWF and he was on his way to WCW and et cetera, et cetera. It wouldn't come out till years later that Shawn knew about it. He was in on it. Vince tried to put all the heat on himself and instead of on Shawn, even though Shawn got a ton of heat for it. And so there was a lot that, you know, surrounded that controversial event. And as we saw, Sean would be the champion. He would move on with DX, and they were well on their way into WrestleMania season, uh, feuding with Undertaker, eventually him dropping the title to Steve Austin. Bret Hart would go on to have a less than memorable run in WCW, where he would debut at Starcade 97 as the guest referee in the Larry Zbysko-Eric Bischoff match for control of Monday Nitro. I didn't mind that role for him because I felt like Starcade was already pretty stacked with Hogan and Sting on top and Sting's first match back that a, a guy the caliber of Bret Hart should have had his own pay-per-view spotlight, a pay-per-view debut, if you will. And so him in the referee role, considering he was screwed at 
in Montreal by a referee and Vince McMahon that it would just make sense that in a match with high stakes like that he would debut and be the referee and then of course he was involved in the finish with Hogan and Sting um, with the, the, the alleged fast count and that was a big debacle that I talked about in the Trading Places episode of Starcade 97 with Hogan and uh, Sting you can find in the archives uh, at the Retromania network but um, yeah so that was that when it came to everything that just kind of built up and built up over the last 18 months before we got to Montreal. Now, here's the fun part, as we're about 39 minutes into this podcast. The trading places scenario. Now, like I told you, I talked about it a little bit. I danced in this territory, but I didn't really um, delve into what would have happened if Vince screwed Shawn Michaels. Okay? Now, let's talk about Let's talk about why Vince McMahon would screw Shawn Michaels, if you will. Realistically, I brought it up a few minutes ago, Shawn was very difficult to deal with. Even though he was a talented performer and Vince loved him, he was very difficult to deal with. He was not popular in the locker room. And he was making things even more difficult, according to the urban legend, when it came to the situation with Brett. Even though Brett had his fair share of drama and problems into this, Shawn wasn't the most popular guy in the locker room and people seem to respect Brett more because Brett wasn't as brash and cocky and you know disrespectful as Sean allegedly was according to the the urban legend and the rumor and innuendo as they like to say so I could picture Vince screwing Sean because he had just kind of had enough of his bullshit and was done with it you're a talented dude but you know you're disrupting my company you're disrupting everything um he, fuck, Shawn Michaels walked out of the company and threatened to go to WCW after he signed a brand new contract with the WWF. Um, after the locker room fight in Hartford, he said, fuck this, and he took his ball and went home. He lost his smile, the knee injury, the, the you know, the most of the locker room and most of the internet and guys out there believe that Shawn, to this day, still believe Shawn Michaels faked a knee injury. So all that stuff that took place behind the scenes Vince McMahon, he would have plenty of reasons why he'd be like, you know what, I'm going to double cross Sean because, you know, I'm just done with it. I can't do this. It's not good for business. And, you know, if he doesn't want to do business with Brett, then, you know, and he's kind of forcing Brett's hand to not want to do business in general, then I'm going to have to pick a side. And I'm going to pick a side with Brett, maybe because he's got history with the Hart family and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's... And just to break down one of the reasons why I think Vince could have screwed Shawn Michaels. Now, let's say, for instance, he does screw Shawn Michaels. What happens to Bret Hart moving forward? Now, you got to look at the landscape of WWF programming in 1997. Austin was feuding with Owen Hart because of the neck injury situation from SummerSlam 1997, where Owen broke Austin's neck real life and so austin came back he had that short match it was kind of a squash over owen and austin was still on the rise they still had plans to make him the next top guy but you know what happens to brett you know where do you go from here i picture okay this is how i picture bret hart's road after survivor series okay there's a couple different routes you can go. Number one, you can kind of split up the Hart Foundation, let them do their own thing, okay? Let Owen kind of do his own thing, Davy Boy, Anvil. Pillman had already passed away a month prior. Or you keep the four of them together, okay? And it's not so much about the Hart Foundation trying to rid the WWF of the American wrestlers, but it's the Hart Foundation trying to clean up the WWF because another bone of contention surrounding Brett and his departure from the WWF at that time was Brett had a problem with the content and how it was more adult oriented. And there was, you know, it had a more um, adult oriented theme with you know scantily clad women and over the top storylines that were like it was like very Jerry Springer Howard Stern like it was starting to get to that point and so in a sense what if Bret Hart and the Hart Foundation were there to try to clean up the WWF and bring it back to its prominence of good wholesome wrestling 
you know, and fighting the 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 rebellious um, environment that that is becoming the WWF with these, you know, very, you know, uh, adult-oriented characters like Steve Austin, who just basically flips the bird, drinks beer, and, you know, cusses, and he's not a role model for, uh, you know, the youth of America. Undertaker, the, tw- you know, the, the, the dead man, the, the, the phenom, if you will, um, that very dark, um, brooding character that he was at that time and and he had been throughout his whole career you know brett and the heart foundation could try to get rid of the undertaker in that instance um and what now what happens to the other members of dx well rick rude left so there was triple h and Shawn michaels now rick rude he doesn't really factor into this, okay? Because he was just like a, a bodyguard for Shawn Michaels. So he doesn't have to stay. He can go, okay? Or you could you could make Rick Rude like the bodyguard for the Hart Foundation, okay? At, he's the insurance policy for Bret Hart. Or he could be the insurance policy for Mr. McMahon because this is where you can, you know, introduce this Mr. McMahon character off of Vince screwing Shawn Michaels. And... It could eventually lead to the hearts and the heart foundation kind of being the the ones to do the bidding for mr mcmahon and mr mcmahon trying to clean up his wwf because he had let the inmates run the asylum and you had seen tension in months leading up to the screw job where austin you know and vince had their issues in the big moment where austin stunned vince um in madison square garden built up to that you have that there that could be part of vince you know, wanting to get the best of Austin and get revenge, and he enlists in the Hart Foundation. So he screws Sean, and he helps Brett keep the title and rids Sean out of the WWF, but he needs the Hart Foundation to, to do the same thing to Steve Austin. And so you kind of relive that rivalry, but under different circumstances. It's not so much USA versus Canada. It's more or less the Hearts and McMahon against Steve Austin. Maybe Rick Rude, like I said, could be Vince's insurance policy. He, you know, helps the Hearts out. Um... Or you don't have to have him there, and you could just have him go to WCW like he did in the first place. Um, there's that option. But I could see Brett eventually leading to Brett and Austin at WrestleMania 14 with Brett dropping the title. And that's where you get the implosion, maybe, of the Hart Foundation. Maybe Brett and the Hart Foundation. With Brett as the WWF champion heading into WrestleMania, they have their work cut out for them with like Undertaker. And even though Kane had made his debut, you 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 kind of throw Kane into the mix. Not necessarily feuding with the Hearts, but he's like an outside factor. Or the Hearts, you know, in a in a brief feud with Undertaker, um, is like a distraction until they get to Undertaker and Kane. You know, maybe Undertaker goes to Bulldog or Owen or Anvil, whoever. Um, but I can picture a rematch of sorts with Brett and Undertaker for the title, maybe at the In Your House um, pay-per-view the next month, which was scheduled to be In Your House to Generation X, but maybe they'll just change it to a different theme. Um, but eventually I see this leading up to Brett and Austin at WrestleMania where Austin gets the big win like he did against Sean, but in this case it's against Brett and you, you have a brand new WWF, um, you know, the attitude era, so to speak. Now, following that, you could go the route of the hearts are still trying to clean up the WWF. Maybe they pivot from the hearts to D-Generation X. You could still do D-Generation X. Maybe you have, you know, Triple H in China turn babyface following Sean um, getting screwed. Maybe they, you keep them off TV until you figure out what you're going to do. Because if you remember, I mentioned it earlier, the click curtain call, Hunter took all the punishment. Hunter was the one that had to eat the plates of shit. And then eventually he was paired up on TV with Sean and he, you know, won the King of the Ring and etc. And his his push was, I guess, renewed, so to speak. Maybe you take Hunter and China off of TV for a little bit and have them regroup. Um, have them come back at like the Royal Rumble. Like Triple H is like a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble match. And he goes after the Hart Foundation, whether it's Owen or Bulldog or whoever. And you have Hunter go through the Hart Foundation, Hunter and China having their issues with Brett and Owen and Davy Boy, um, and and you know maybe you get maybe you get Triple H and Brett for the WWF title at the Royal Rumble, um, 
or maybe at the In Your House pay-per-view after Survivor Series, and they write Hunter and China off TV for a little bit, but then the you know heading into WrestleMania, maybe you still go with Brett or Owen and Triple H because originally in '98 Triple H and Owen wrestled for the European Championship. What if you kind of did that European Intercontinental, whatever it is, with Hunter as the babyface, and you have Bulldog and Anvil siding with Owen obviously and then you have Triple H in China Owen getting the best of Triple H but then that's when Triple H the next night on Monday Night Raw says you know what I've been doing this thing for a while now since since Sean left and I can't do much more on my China and I can't do much more on my own and then that's when he brings out the new DX X-Pac 123Kid returns he was in WCW he gets excommunicated from WCW fired if you will um, via FedEx from Eric Bischoff. This is where they bring him in. This is where he gets brought in to uh, WWF as a part of DX, kind of like what happened in 98. And they recruit the New Age Outlaws. And now, post-WrestleMania, Triple H reforms a new D-Generation X, and they're going after the Hart Foundation. You pivot Brett and the Hart Foundation to DX, and then you have Austin more exclusive with Mr. McMahon. Now, here's another out there, far left field idea that you can pivot off of. I would mentioned earlier, Ravishing Rick Rude, um, you know, as the insurance policy for like the Hart Foundation and Mr. McMahon. Now, I, if I remember correctly, I believe Rick Rude at that time was trying to come back so that he could make an in-ring return. He had a career-ending back injury. He had took the Lloyds of London insurance policy and paid out. Um, but if he were to return to wrestling, he would have to pay that back. And so from the best of my recollection in, in other shoot interviews and podcasts I've listened to, Rick Rude tried to come back to the WWF because he wanted to wrestle again. And eventually he would try to do the same thing in WCW, but it didn't work out. But let's just say for argument's sake that Rick Rude were to get cleared to wrestle. Maybe Steve Austin is the WWF champion against ravishing Rick Rude, the, 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 the centerpiece for Mr. McMahon. Maybe that's a rivalry. That, that, that you go down. It's it's a far out there left field idea, but you know I'm doing a lot of far out there left field ideas when it comes to what if Vince screwed Sean and what happens to all these players following that. Or you could just go the route of Austin and Dude Love, which would eventually morph into Mankind, um, like they did in 1998. Or you can you know you you can stick with. Austin and the Hearts. Maybe Austin goes through all the Hart family members um, as the champion. Uh, you know, maybe there's one more big rematch with him and Brett. Um, and and you know, here's an idea. Okay, Austin beats Brett at uh, at uh, um, uh, fucking WrestleMania. Then they have the rematch at Unforgiven in 1998. Let's just say it's like a cage match or something. Okay, and the Hearts get involved. Then that's where you insert DX. Maybe Hunter, you know brings DX back the night after WrestleMania, but then they get involved in the finish, stopping the other Hart Foundation members from helping Brett win. Austin beats Brett, and you catapult the Hearts and DX off one side, and then Austin continues his run as champion. You can put him in there with Undertaker. You can put him in there with Kane. You can keep the you know the, the Mick Foley theme with Dude Love. Who knows? Um, but there's a lot of different possibilities I think you could have gone. Now, that's on the WWF side, okay? Like I said... I see Bretton Austin being the focal point going into WrestleMania in 1998. Hunter and China are babyface, kind of struggling to, 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 to get the best of the Hart Foundation. Hart Foundation are all kind of aligned with Mr. McMahon doing his bidding. Um, and Steve Austin is like the main target that, that, that Mr. McMahon and the Hart Foundation are trying to get rid of. And it's not a USA versus Canada angle anymore. It's more or less about like decency and filth, so to speak. Vince and the Hearts trying to clean up the WWF and you you have all these different, you know, rebellious, adult-oriented characters that come along the way. Um, that could be something. And even after, let's say, for instance, after, if you really want to really milk this Heart Foundation thing, maybe after the DX run, if they were to face off against Triple H and X-Pac and the New Age Outlaws, maybe they shift them over to the nation. You know, Rock had dumped Farouk at WrestleMania, maybe they still keep with that. And you have Rock and you have um, uh, 
D'Lo and Mark Henry and Godfather, and you have them taking on the the, the Hart Foundation. Maybe the Hart Foundation, after you know losing to DX or being humiliated by DX, they they decide that they don't want to clean up the filth that is the WWF from Mr. McMahon, and maybe they you know. Maybe they just are like a, a renegade rogue group, so to speak, um, not really having an allegiance of sorts. And maybe you split them off to face off against the nation. Maybe we get a series of matches with Brett and The Rock. Maybe maybe we we go down that road. You know, maybe Brett helps further along The Rock's push to the top. I don't know, but those are just some of the possibilities. I think, um, you know, could have uh, landed had. Vince screwed Sean over on the WWF side. Now, let's talk about what happens to Sean Michaels. I think this one is rather fairly easy. I think Sean Michaels goes to WCW. Um, on a recent episode of 83 Weeks, Eric Bischoff said in 1997 he had no desire to bring Sean Michaels in, and everyone in you know the WCW locker room knew of. Shawn Michaels' reputation to be difficult to deal with, and Bischoff didn't want any of that because they already had enough head cases on his hand. But I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I think Bischoff's kind of blowing smoke up, up, up everyone's ass. And I like Bischoff. I love his podcast. I defend him a lot. I defend a lot of the stuff he did in WCW. But I'm calling bullshit on this one here. I think Bischoff, uh, I think Bischoff would have would have signed Shawn Michaels at the request of maybe like, you know, Hall and Nash, who were his buddies. And I think. He would automatically join the NWO, okay? And I think Shawn Michaels would be the straw that stirs the drink that splits up the NWO. Think about this here for a minute, okay? Um, star, after Starcade 1997, we began to see the collapse of the NWO on WCW programming, which would eventually lead to a split. You would have Hulk Hogan leading the NWO Black and White, and you would have Kevin Nash leading NWO Hollywood. And then you would have, you know, guys defecting and... and it was, you know, two NWOs and the Wolf Pack, the black and red group were the big baby faces. I can I can picture Shawn Michaels being the guy to like come in and stir things up. Like Hall and Nash bring him in and to join the NWO and Hogan and Bischoff are they're okay with it, but they're not thrilled with it because they know that Shawn Michaels could stir up some shit. And maybe Shawn Michaels, you know, to try and prove his worth in the NWO. Um, Bischoff names him the guest referee for the match with Larry Zbysko at Starcade, And Sean inadvertently costs Bischoff the match. And that continues to further along um, the split of the NWO. That's where I. That's as far as I kind of see things going when it comes to Shawn Michaels and WCW. I mean, eventually, you know, being a part of the Wolfpack with Nash and Hall, maybe you get a match out of it with Shawn and Hogan and at, at, at like a Bash at the Beach or, or Halloween Havoc, something with Sting, maybe Shawn and Goldberg. But I feel like Shawn Michaels coming in with that very cocky, rebellious attitude is going to be the the thing that that ignites the 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 split of the nwo i think they're still going to split the nwo brand i mean bischoff has said on his podcast before that when they introduced wcw thunder it was meant to be a second show to 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 display different talents separate from Nitro. They were originally going to do a brand split before there was such thing as one uh, and that was at the request of uh Turner executives. They wanted another show. They wanted it on TBS and they wanted WCW to pay for it and not Turner. And so that was why Bischoff was signing a lot of talents. That was a big reason why they signed Brett because they wanted Brett to kind of be the anchor of that show. Maybe Sean would be the anchor of WCW Thunder uh, as a part of like the NWO Wolfpack. Or maybe they, they have Sean eventually turn on Nash and he joins NWO Hollywood, you know? Um, but either way, I've, I feel like you could get some mileage out of Shawn Michaels and WCW as being like the little shit stir that, that breaks up the NWO. And he goes off and he's with the Wolfpack and he's with Nash and Hall and 
and whoever, and they feud with Hogan's NWO that has him and Randy Savage and, uh, you know, Steiner and, and uh, Bagwell and maybe the giant, Kurt Henning, stuff like that. But you, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of Sean with some of the big, high-profile matches. I truly don't believe Eric Bischoff um, would refuse to sign Shawn Michaels at that time in 1997. I mean, his his mission was to be the number one wrestling company in the world. And as much as he says now that he wouldn't have wanted to sign Shawn because he was a head case, I find that one hard to believe. Um, and I find that, you know, there would have been great creative possibilities had WCW had their head screwed on straight when it came to Shawn Michaels joining that company. But at the same time, maybe he falls into the same category as a Bret Hart where they don't know what to do with him. Or maybe he's too much of a head case and it doesn't last very long. And he's out of WCW not long after that. Those are some possibilities too as well. That's something to think about. But um, I think I've kind of run the gamut here when it comes to uh, the creative possibilities surrounding what if Vince screwed Sean. Thank you all so very much for joining me this week and indulging me. I hope you guys had a lot of fun. If you guys have any ideas or suggestions for um, you know this particular trading places scenario, what if Vince McMahon screwed Shawn Michaels, then DM us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know. Love to read them off on the air at one point. Um, if you've got some ideas, special requests for shows you'd like for me to do, whether you want me to do a watch along, whether you want me to cover a particular subject, by all means, hit us up. I want this to be an open discussion, open forum with all of you, the Kicking Out at Two crew. Next week, I'm not really sure what I got planned. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to fly by the seat of my pants here and figure this one out. But I know Dennis is going to join me. So maybe I'll get some input from Dennis and uh, we'll figure it out along the way. But next week, we definitely will have a brand new fresh episode for you on Kicking Out of Two. And with that being said, I think it's about that time that we officially put this show down for the three count. And we will see you all next week.